You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Magic Mind and Pinelands Nursery, and I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic. Welcome yeah. to episode 135. <laughs> you threw me off there, little Fran, with the and I'm Fran Chismar. I don't know what was going going uh, through I, your mind, but yeah, I have no idea. I don't idea. think it was magic at that, at that point in time, but... <laughs> i i don't know i i just kind of froze for a second then i kind of felt like you froze and that's why i started laughing I, yeah i was like i don't know exactly how to follow that up but and, um no, I, we're, and i didn't say spanky mcgee yeah nothing yeah we're excited to have everyone back to learn a lot more about native plants and uh and yes. have some some fun banter and uh keep it light and, and casual for the next hour ish i agree i agree and it's where I'm kind of throwing. This is a time of the year that we get thrown off because we have to record multiple episodes coming up to holidays and trade shows mm-hmm. and and just you're finally getting a chance to go on your vacation. Yeah, when this airs, yeah. you're on your. Hopefully, you're on your vacation. I will be on time. a boat. We said um, that before. Leaving the Caribbean uh, for for real this time. Yes, unless there's a, a weird hurricane that just pops up, which is <laughs> last time when we did That's this. What it happened. was it was on Saturday. It was like. Oh crap! There's a hurricane. Potentially, it was a tropical. It wasn't even actually. It wasn't even a tropical storm at that point. Yeah, but there was a lot of. I'm a dad now for the last two and a half years. Dad of two and a half years here, right. and um, I thought you were going to say two and a half kids. I'm a dad of two and a half two kids. And, a half years. and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's something the, a, a switch flicks when you become a dad, and uh, you're yeah. obsessed with the weather. So I was. Yes. I'm obsessed. I follow a lot of weathermen on on twitter and i have <laughs> you have multiple no, weather no, apps. how many weather apps do you think i have on my phone <laughs> i have two i'm gonna say that <laughs> which you is have still one more than most most people, people. Have, i'm gonna say you have four i've got to actually check right. uh, um, while you're doing that i'm gonna share a quick funny story so uh my best friend from high school was also uh, uh my best man he when he has four children and they wouldn't allow their first couple children to watch tv commercials they always kept the weather channel on the last channel on the remote so that if a commercial came on they would flip over to to the weather channel Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to remember how old his kids were he had three of the four at that point and i was over there with a group of people and they gave us the remote we were watching something like please do me a favor like if the commercial comes Mm -hmm. on just hit last And we were sitting there, and a commercial came on, and we hit the last button to the Weather Channel. And his son was like, "Oh man, you watch the weather too?" <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's um. So I did I did a quick count, and right. you know how on the iPhone you can like categorize apps, and you put have them, them in folders folder? and all yeah. that. So I actually have a weather folder, and um. And in that folder, there's six different weather apps. Oh, all right. Let me look. Now, I, that being said, I actually just downloaded a new one, which I really love, called Windy. And um, so I have seven on my phone. But one of them I don't use often, so it actually, like, de-downloaded from my phone. I, and uh, I, I'm looking because I actually have a weather folder also. Mm-hmm. I have four weather apps. Yeah. But one really is nothing more than a photo app that incorporates where you're at in the weather. Yep. So I'm not counting that one. It's really 
I have three. Yeah, but it was it was funny a month ago when we were originally going to go on this cruise. Um, and I've mentioned I'm not a first time cruiser going yes. on this cruise, and uh, and not necessarily what I'd consider a dream vacation. But I think it makes a lot of sense for what we wanted, like with yes. where we are in our lives. And um, so I saw this storm brewing. I was reading on Twitter about this storm brewing, and uh, I texted a friend of mine who lives in Florida and said, "Hey, when you're going to the Bahamas, what?" What weather app do you use? Okay. Because some stuff's more oh, localized. Yeah, that's true. You go to the National Weather Service stuff, It's you can find different localized sites that'll give you good information. He's like, oh, yeah, I use this app called Windy. This is like a f- completely free ad for Windy. Okay. So I download it. I'm like, oh, this is awesome because it shows you wind speeds, wind gusts. It'll show oh, you nice. waves. It'll give you actual forecast stuff. Yeah. It, there's a lot of practical applications there. Like, this is this is it, Fran. It's like, it's, oh, wow. a, lot of, it's yeah. a big radar, a yeah. lot of motion. There's you can a lot scroll of, way a lot in of advance. Info. Yeah. And then, um, so the cruise line we were on actually has its own, like, meteorologist that also oh, has a really? big tr- Twitter presence. So I started following him on Twitter, and then he's putting up, th- and he used this exact same app I use, oh, this Windy <laughs> app. I'm like, I knew this was the right decision. This is a good app. I really love it um, as, a, as a weather dad. And um, I think you it- know there's a lot of people out there, like, dad jokes have become a thing. Yes. And there's a lot of people that try and tell dad jokes even though they're not dads. Yes. That's what you call a faux pas. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I wish I had the, the sad trombone <laughs> queued up. <laughs> oh, I fell mm. for that one. Uh, well, I hope you get to go this time. Yeah. It, it looks like you're leaving behind cold, rainy, possibly yeah, snowy nice. weather here. So it's you're getting away at the perfect time. The weather has been so – we hit cold and then we got warm and now we're – what was it, 20-some degrees? 22 this, 20 this, morning, this morning, so – but um, yeah, no, it's so, uh, so we're recording a little early, just we, so we because I'm like we said I'm not going to be here to record next week, um, but I'm hoping I can read a couple books and it'll be great. Relax. Speaking of books, you had just bought Greg Tepper's new book for the office. You did yeah, and then uh, can you remind me the name of that? I don't want to miss. Uh, oh, it's right here. Okay, it's your resistant, resistant, resistant native plants. Yeah. Uh, for the Northeast. And, and I, the, just, <clears throat> I, I just want to point out after reading that over the Thanksgiving holiday that Greg does have a list of what he considers deer candy. Mm-hmm. And that was a question, kind of a question, not in Greg's list episode, in the trivia yeah. episode. But he did list Junipers virginiana as his list of deer most favorite plants. And yeah. that was something that. Both Daryl and I had as an answer, but yeah. we're wrong. So I just wanted to. Well, I was using the the National Deer Association's article that I, yes. that I chose. Yes, and um, just wanted to bait. Not that it would have given me the win, but it yeah. would have been another answer. Correct. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know how I feel about, <laughs> about it. So I, this is the list of of deer candy, and the again, the book is called uh, "Deer Resistant Native Plants from the Northeast." It's by Ruth Rogers Clausen and Greg D. Tepper. And Greg's and, a um, former guest. Greg was of ours. on, yeah, and he's at. Um, I just talked about the cemetery uh, the other day, Laurel, uh, West Laurel, Laurel Hill, Hill Cemetery, where they have Nature Sanctuary. Really, and they're cool. actually Something expanding Nature Sanctuary. There's big expansion going on. Um, but and and there's other copies people are of this dying to get into. That it. I think, <laughs> and that's a that's not a faux pas, right? for him. That's that's a, that's a, the real deal. Genuine dad joke right there. <laughs> so, uh, um, but Ruth Rogers Clausen has copies of this book for other regions of the country too. Um, oh, I didn't know that. I okay. think Greg just helped out on this one. I don't know if he helped out on everyone. 
that they have. So if you're in the southwest or southeast or northwest, there may be a copy of this book for you as well. If, if you don't own that book, I will say this. It is an A to Z, which I don't always love, but in this instance, I love it because when I'm thinking in deer resistance, that's I, I want it like an encyclopedia. Almost, yeah, and and that's what it is, and a lot of great information. Oh, you know, I really could have done this. We we could call this our grow read a book if you just want to hit the jingle real quick. But okay. um, oh shoot, or you could play to the crickets. It's not <laughs> Wait, up to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that was a sporadic. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, it's gonna be one of those. Yep. You know, I forgot that I had turned off the. Uh, I had turned off our soundboard and then turned it back on. So let me give you that jingle. Grow a book. I like books. <laughs> yeah, so it's I, – I felt that it was a lot of great information that you don't necessarily have to take in all at once, but you can use it as a reference book. It's one of those mm-hmm. things that I could easily have on my desk and be able to pick up and say I need – you know, a couple quick references, or I need to check this plant. Um, let me let me go to it. And there was a lot of fantastic information that way, very practical information that I think anyone can use. Um, and and again, I, I just think it's one of those things. Keep on your desk. Keep on yeah, your. That it's it's one. Keep it after talking to Greg and knowing this book was coming out, um, I simply just forgot to purchase it earlier, and then I was like, oh yeah. I need to buy this book, so I went and got it off Amazon. It was there the next day, and um, but one of the things that's really important about it is early on, it just has common features of deer-resistant plants: fuzzy leaves, tough and leathery, fibrous leaves, aromatic leaves, aromatic flowers, spines and bristles, poisonous compounds. That's the kind of things when people ask us this question, we're on the phone or through email. That like that's kind of the rules of thumb yep. that we follow. Yes. We don't know the specifics, so it's nice to have a resource that kind of gives you yes. some specifics. I agree. Now. Going back to the Janupus Virginiana, yeah. the Eastern Red Cedar. Um, well, I'll read the whole list of deer candy native Was plants. Was it top twenty? Is it the top twenty? There's uh, there's or maybe fifteen things 15, here. Okay. Um, Redbud or Eastern Redbud, Lady Slipper, Wild Geranium, Alum Root, Smooth Hydrangea, uh, Juniper, Lily, Canada Mayflower, Native Crab Apple, Native Phlox, Native Deciduous Azalea, Elderberry, Snowberry, Eastern Arborvitae, and Trillium are what they have as yeah. listed as deer candy here, and I agree. With right. a lot of that. I agree. And I think that's the reason why a lot of those things you don't mm-hmm. – they're native here and you don't see them yeah. <laughs> because they're deer candy. Now, I wish I had looked this up beforehand, but my argument with the eastern red cedar and probably the – well, I have, some of our varieties I know yeah. are really attractive deer yeah. and some of them aren't as attractive deer. But the eastern red cedar, I remember in my freshman year biology class – we had a lab, and the professor was talking about eastern red cedar and how it had no nutritional value for deer. Yeah. But if you went and found deer that died of starvation in the winter, you would and you opened them up, yeah. you would see their bellies were stuffed with eastern red cedar. Yeah. And it was just because that was they didn't have anything else to eat, and they would just browse and browse and browse. My guess is why, and why eastern red cedar is on that list. It's probably not because they it attracts deer. And deer like yeah. it a lot, but it's a one that's it's commonly used. It's in abundance. It's commonly used in the landscape trade, and it's really obvious when a deer's eating it. Yeah, because a it lot looks of like the other like if you, yeah. by burning them, paid them is something deer really like too. Yeah, and you know, well, I shouldn't say you know, 
you don't see the viburnum then tame because they're eating when they're six inches tall. Exactly. This is something that gets a little bigger and okay, the deer don't have anything left. I think they're, this is my hypothesis. Yeah. Is then and the keys in on it, the deer, tree's not dead. I see all kinds of little eastern red cedars in the woods that are anywhere from six inches to three feet tall, and they aren't nibbled at all. No, when you notice is when they're already above six foot. Yep. Say they're ten foot tall, they've eaten the bottom six foot of it, so it looks like a lollipop. Yeah. But if you were to count, like to drive down a road or walk through an area and count how many have been eaten, browsed, or mm-hmm. how many haven't, you could – it'd be pretty close, I, I'd say. Yeah. But you're yeah. right. They they – they had to have already gotten to that height unbroused mm-hmm. or they wouldn't have made it. Yep. yep. So it's after the fact that it's – And I'm even thinking there. there's a spot in the woods that I've, I've been to, and it's it's pretty cool because you almost have just like a four-foot canopy of eastern red cedar. Everything below that's been browsed off. Okay. And like you I, you have to crotch, but you can just walk right underneath of it. But they're – Obviously, they got to that point, but and this is a—it's not a wild stand, but it's a—it wasn't planted, um, so I guess that would make it a wild stand. It was self-propagated, I guess I yeah. should say. It wasn't planted there, but it wasn't like it was always been there. Yes. So these things grew up there and formed this thicket, um, but they got to that point. So I think it's my hypothesis is—it's not the first thing deer see, seek out, but when they don't have anything else to eat, they eat it, they eat and it. it's very obvious that they eat it. I was I so. was actually thinking about Marcus Gray the other day and Christmas trees yeah. because someone had posted on LinkedIn that their nursery was producing – it was that time of the year and they're producing potted Christmas mm-hmm. trees to take home, and it was all eastern red cedar. And it yeah. was it, it was in – I think it was in Texas. So I was like, wow, look at that. Like yeah. not, not something that here in the northeast anyone thinks about yeah. taking into their house. And that's a good segue, Fran, because – my That's Hot has something to do with, with Christmas this year. So let's get into the plants for vibing this week and kick it to the last. That's hot. Yeah. Well, why don't, you, why don't you go for the segue yeah. then? So as you can see from your, your sheet that we have here, friend, I don't have a plant there. You don't? Um, I had an incredibly busy week. I was all over the place. You were. Pulling my hair out. You're going to be busy um, when you get back to And literally just pulled this plant uh I'm just like thinking of what did I see this week that caught my eye or conversations I had. And um, I was at the New Jersey Nursery and Landscape Association dinner last night talking to another board member, uh, Steve Wagner. Oh, yes. And he's asking about some pitch pines we were growing. I'm like, that's going to be my plant. Oh, and um, nice choice. Now, I probably wouldn't recommend putting pitch pine in your house for a Christmas tree unless you like taking acid. <laughs> and, and want to have that sensation all the time even when you aren't, <laughs> aren't high as a balloon well um, I, I would say the a good reason to not use it is it doesn't like to be harvested in yeah. in the fall and you're going to get a lot of needle drop but if you're getting a container grow yeah. you might like you know yeah it's got it's kind of like it's like a maybe dr. it's more seuss. of like a it's yeah like a dr. dr seuss if if dr seuss was a member of the grateful dead <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the, the, the Christmas tree that that he Listen, chose. Having been um, old enough to attend Grateful Dead concerts, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I've never that, been. I've never really been a Grateful Dead fan. I'm really just playing off the the stereotype. I do enjoy their music, but I don't seek out their music. What I guess year were you born? Eighty nine. Okay, so up until like the time you were five, yeah. you could have gone. Yeah. Now, what's seen. what's interesting, Fran? Not to get too far off topic is. Yeah. My wife, Melissa, favorite band is Dave Matthews Band. Yes. Didn't even know really much about the Grateful Dead other than that she heard of them. 
And then it just came up on like a Spotify playlist for her. And now she loves the Grateful Dead. And um, says maybe even more than Dave Matthews Band. She's just Real. big into like the, the jam band she likes stuff. Jam. Well, to me, Grateful Dead, there's, a, there's something for everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, between the, the different songwriters, I think that you can like Jerry stuff, you can like Bob yep. stuff. You, there's there's a whole different, you know, there's short songs, there's long songs, yep. there's a little something for everyone. I don't know. But that's interesting. That that gives us yeah. a little common ground. Yeah. But anyway, not, not back Dave to the, the Pitch Pines. Um, so Pitch Pine or, or Pinus Rigida is uh, is native to New Jersey. It's commonly found in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Um, actually, probably the dominant tree in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. It's a medium-sized evergreen conifer uh, and features a, a regular form, which is why I make the, the acid and, and Grateful yeah. Dead jokes um, because it's, like, it's funky. It's it it's curling all over the place. It's a it's a really cool-looking tree. Uh, it's really popular for bonsai when yes. people use bonsai for with native plants um, because it kind of has that funky form and you can get some really cool twists and turns and um, – now, I don't know if you have it up or if you know off the top of your head. I'm trying to remember. Is it a three-needle pine or a two-needle pine? Uh, let me see here. I See, I always forget that, and I'm looking to see if it's on this sheet. And I, I don't see it on Jersey Friendly Yards, um, at least right. quickly. But something that has extreme fire tolerance, the, the pine cones actually open with um, need fire or heat to open. So what we do to – get the seeds out is usually we'll throw them in the oven or the Sometimes microwave, the microwave. Yeah. and um pitch pine is three three, needle, okay. three needles yeah and um so i'm probably going to use some as like a privacy hedge in a way i don't really know if i i haven't completely sold myself on that yet but because uh, it's more of a uh, a scrub pine yeah and it, it does tend to not keep its branches lower yeah that's um, true and i don't know I think there's a reason why it hasn't been used. Yeah, as yeah. A I'm just thinking. I I have these um, Norway spruce that look terrible, <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm like, well, they already look bad. This will look better than that, even though it's not the ideal thing. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, I keep going back and forth. On, what am I going to use here? And and that's also a native plant. I haven't quite decided yet. All right. Eastern red cedar would be the easy solution, but I don't. Necessarily want to do that. I'm, I'm not. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I haven't I'm, sold myself on that either. No. But anyway, why I bring it up and relate it to Christmas is it's a really makes a really cool like native plant wreath. And if you saw my TikTok and Instagram real video about Thanksgiving and making little little um, Thanksgiving centerpieces using native plants that have dried out or gone to seed and that kind of stuff, I love making centerpieces. And um, I shouldn't say I love making them. I love seeing them when they're made out of native plants yeah. and like in forged materials in a way. So you go and like you collect some branches and and make a wreath using pitch pine boughs and pine yeah. cones and, and that kind of stuff. And winterberry holly, I really like seeing that kind of stuff. So as you're entering our holiday season yeah. and you want to have like a, a thematic seasonal centerpiece or wreath or something like that, about using some native materials. That's actually a good segue into my article this week, but I still have to give you my my plant pick this week. So I'm going with strawberry bush, or it's also called mm-hmm. bursting heart, which is Euonymus americanus. And I know a, a few episodes ago I mentioned that we came across this stand uh, wild, which I think it's the first time I'd ever seen it because um, it's not. I, I don't think common. I've ever seen it. I know it's Russ Fenari's favorite plant. Yeah. Um, 
and really where where Russ is, it's the northernmost part really is central New Jersey. So mm-hmm. we're hitting that limit. It's it's central New Jersey to Florida, west of Texas. It's a facultative uh, plant, uh, which means 33 to 66 percent of the time it's found in wetlands. Uh, it can get up to 12 foot. The, the plants that I saw were around six foot tall, not not very robust. Uh, they have green to purple blooms March through August, and then it takes part shade and moist soil. Uh, where I had seen it, it was kind of like lakeside or marshside. Um, and from wildflower.org, uh, their description is its ridge twigs become purplish when exposed to the sun. Pale green flowers with purple stamens have five distinct clawed petals. Uh, bright green oval leaves become dark red in fall when uh, bright red fruits open to reveal orange seeds. So I just happened to see them in seed. Actually, my wife, Agatha, just she's the one that noticed it. I would have walked right by and we went back. Uh, strawberry bush is a member of the bittersweet family, uh, which is uh, Calistraceae, uh, which includes shrubs, woody vines, and mostly small trees. So, yeah. um, but two great choices. I think it's going to be a lot easier to find pitch pine uh, than it is going to find Euonymus americanus. Um, but two great choices. They're a little more specific. Make sure you're aware of the area. Uh, pitch pines mainly are pine barren pines, mm-hmm. so it's. Sandy, sandier, not well, well, I guess well drained. It's drier. So. Yeah, yep. They're yeah, they're going to want to be a so, drier location. Yeah. So, but if if you have an opportunity and you have those conditions, make sure you get them. I think both great choices. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You, you want to do this or that? Yeah, let's do it. You can get with this, or you can get with that. So we do have a winner. So the articles last week, I had the article about um, native lawns in Florida, and you had the article about human nutrient inputs that alter grasslands, which, wow, I thought that really tied in with with last week's episode oh, yeah. of uh, with Dr. Peter Groffman. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but which, we, that, how fun was that, man? That you know was- what? That was one of. <laughs> My favorite episodes, and yeah. I'm so happy that he has agreed to come on for a second part, mm-hmm. and that will actually be next next week's episode. So oh, yeah. I'm I'm excited about that. But uh, we do have a winner on those two articles, and the winner is I won eleven to nine. Now I did notice that people were able to vote for both articles. Oh oh, you want to know what it is? What's that? So there's a toggle. When you select this stuff that I found after I'd been posting it for a while that you can toggle on and off if people can vote for multiples or, yeah, vote for multiple things or add their own choice. And you have to select that they can't. Okay. Now that we have someone new posting this. They didn't Which is, does a really good job of making yes. sure this comes out on time and is regular. Yes. <laughs> regular. Yes. Uh, yeah, we probably got to tell them that there's toggles so they can't vote for both. Yeah. So is this, it, is this vote for to subtract it, or is no, this just no? Uh, that's oh. the total. I I call for a recount. Well, they voted for both, so you take them out. Yeah. I still win by two. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm calling. I'm saying there's election fraud here. <laughs> but I will say this: topically, we could. Yeah. I could for my pro protest out of the you, four se- outside of uh, four seasons landscaping, yeah. and it would make sense yes. for our podcast. <laughs> yeah. But um, I will say this though. Good amount of votes in just one week and a lot of comments that it was two great articles and people really had trouble choosing, that we made it difficult for them. So let's try to do that again this week. Um, I'm going to choose to go first since 
your comment about foraging and the holidays kind of mm-hmm. ties into yeah. my article this week. My article is uh, your wild holiday recipes won it for Maryland cookbook celebrating game, fish, and native plants. And this is by Kate Ryan on WTOP News. Uh, let me just see how long it is. It's not that long. Um, if your favorite holiday recipe includes some wild ingredients, the Maryland Department of Natural Resources wants to hear from you. The aptly named Megan McGinn Meals, the public information officer for DNR, is compiling holiday recipes that feature foods directly from the nature uh, – from the nature <laughs> – from nature. Game, fowl, fish, and plant-based recipes are being sought. The DNR already maintains the online cookbook Wild Maryland, and now they're putting out the call to hunters, anglers, and foragers for holiday recipes. One or more of the popular items in the current recipe collection is – Burrito pie, uh, said McGinn Meals. It takes on Frito pie, and McGinn Meals said it's wildly popular. Many of the dishes might not initially appeal to those who aren't used to eating wild meat, said McGinn Meals. Said two issues come up a lot. A lot of game meats have a bad reputation for being gamey or having a distinctly strong flavor that can be off-putting to people used to buying farm-raised meats. Preparation is another issue, McGinn Meal said. Tenderizing venison with a cooking mallet is recommended. She hasn't prepared venison in her own kitchen, but after sampling one hunter's venison uh, made using Sika deer meat, she found it was quite honestly one of the most tender, most flavorful pieces of meat I have ever had. A lot of what people consider good eating is cultural as well, said McGinn Meals. She pointed out that catfish is often dismissed as unappetizing because it's a bottom feeder, but lobsters – and Maryland's iconic blue cl- blue crabs are also bottom feeders and said there are wonderful joys and flavors to come from bottom feeding fish and shellfish. Catfish, said McGinn Meals, is a mild-tasting white fish and a good way to introduce children to fish in their diet. She added that it's a lean protein found everywhere and it's free minus bait and the time you're spending out there catching them. Wild waterfowl such as geese ducks are red meat birds, she said, meaning they have darker, richer meat. Then the poultry people are often accustomed to eating. They are delicious when prepared slow and low, preferably roasted in an oven and finished on the stovetop. At relatively low temperatures and like other red meats, including beef, they are best when served with red wines. Plant-based foraged, foraged foods are also going to be included in this holiday collection. Past recipes have included ramps, those garlicky, garlicky flavored members of the allium family related to spring onions and leeks and most often found in the spring. Other popular plants include wild mushrooms like chicken of the woods, chanterelles, lion's mane, and morels. Dandelion greens have also been included in the cookbook. They're high in iron and calcium and have a peppery flavor. So while you're preparing your Thanksgiving meals and have some family favorites or your own recipe collection, Maryland's DNR wants to hear from you. Recipes are being collected now through December 31st. You can submit your recipe uh, for the holiday collection via email. And see the re- recipes already included in the Wild Maryland collection. So I just thought that was um, a neat way to compile that, that they already have a recipe book yeah. that you can go on and, and find. When we put the links in uh, on the website for this, this this article has the links in it uh, to find the current recipe and how you can submit. So I just thought it was great that they were including native plants Um and a way to cook with it. If you're in that area and you have recipes and you're passionate about that, submit them. Yeah, that this article is right on my alley. Yeah, I um, thought you would like this. This one. is my kind of thing because. So if uh, if you hunt and fish, um, especially if you, you deer hunt, even if you don't, yeah, I guarantee you, someone has told you 
their secret to cooking venison the best way ever, and it, it probably involves Italian dressing. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, if you, someone tells you that, they have not had, like, really, really well-cooked yeah. venison. It can come out really good that way, but it's not like it's – it's you're covering up a lot of the flavor. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some really cool ways to do it. I love cooking, uh, like, Canada geese and snow geese, yeah. and ducks are awesome. They're, like, it's a little different than what you get at the grocery store. Yeah. But once you learn how to cook with this stuff, it's really fantastic. And then to combine it with a lot of native plant ingredients and wild mushroom ingredients, it's it's just a lot of fun. It's um, Yeah, and I love that it's being done by the Department of Natural Resources yeah. too, that they're involved in and getting everyone involved and getting – you know, it's – Spreading the right message and getting people to think that way. Yeah. Um, not just, hey, go to the store and do this. Like, hey, you can find a lot of these things. They're natural. You can find them in the woods by your house, things like that, and you can cook with it. So yeah. it is really – you have to you have to know your plants if you're going to forage it. That's one thing that we talked about on foraging. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you do your research. You don't have to know – as that Samuel Thayer said, you don't have to know every plant. You just have to know the one that you're trying to harp or forage for. Yep, yep. So – Yeah, there's even a, a guy I follow on Instagram called um, – his name's Larry White, but he has a, a Instagram page. I think it's called Wild Game Gourmet, and he has just like – all these wild game recipes, he'll incorporate some different, um, uh, like wild sourced ingredients too. Yeah. There's uh, the forager chef who I've mentioned before does a lot of this kind of stuff as well. But it's like it's so much beyond just the regular meat and potatoes. I'm just on his on his Instagram right now. He's like venison shank shawarma and like wild board pancetta. Um, like there's all kinds of stuff that's just awesome. Yeah, uh, that's it's higher level cooking using wild game ingredients stuff if you went to like a five-star restaurant you're just using things that you went out and hunted or yeah. foraged and all that kind of stuff it's it's a lot of fun if you're into cooking yeah. and and into that kind of stuff so yeah and that article is right up my alley yeah so check so, it out i think you'll like some of those recipes yeah definitely, definitely. now i'm looking for i might this. even submit some of my own oh i would like the, that you know i would like that i yeah. i'm seeing your article i'm familiar with this one so i'm well, kind of, of course excited you're familiar with it because my dad sent it to both of us right? <laughs> <laughs> and i was a little worried you were going to pick this one too no 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 and uh, i was glad to see you didn't and i really love your article um but this was a cool article as well and i was glad my dad forwarded it to me yes and uh it's titled farmers battle against and now for milkweed and uh, it was written on, or released on August 8th of 2022, written by Jennifer Taylor and for Modern Farmer Magazine and website, and um, which is a really cool magazine for agriculture. Yeah. And uh, covers a lot of, like, diverse topics. It's more modern topics. I guess yes. that's why it's called Modern yeah. Farmer. Yeah. I'll read a little bit, then I'll give some of my thoughts. Um, it starts with, from behind the driving wheel of his pickup truck, Don uh, Ginnup, we're turned the ignition key, flipped on the AC, and immediately rolled down the windows. The sticky midsummer air barely budged even as cool air from the dashboard vents mixed with the breeze flooding the cab. A few miles down the narrow road from his Marshall, Illinois family farm found in 1837, he stopped and pointed. There at the base of the utility pole under a tethered wire was a clump of thriving common milkweed reaching three or four feet toward a partly cloudy sky. It's protected there, the 70-year-old farmer says. By now, the milkweed has matured. Under the power lines, milkweed has been left untouched by the farmer's last melting pass. The stems are sturdy and deep. Green leaves arranged in opposite pairs are broad and thick. At the top, a cluster of small uh, pink flowers uh, form a sphere, a beacon for monarch butterflies along a crucial yet disappearing migration path. Scenes like this, clumps of milkweed dotting grasslands that encase crops, are now the norm. 
But up until the mid-1940s, before herbicides were introduced to commercial agriculture, milkweed grew relentlessly in croplands. It was invasive. It impacted crop yields to the point where farmers like Ginnup recall the labor-intensive chore of pulling milkweed from their fields as as children. Um, Just a couple thoughts before I keep going. But that was, yeah, that was a big thing. Is like milkweed was, if you were a farmer, milkweed, along with other things like ragweed and and some other stuff as well. Mare's tail. That was like cutting into your livelihood um it was a big big deal we didn't understand as a population the importance of it at that point other than that it was hurting us economically big time and you think about it you're going through the great depression prior to the great depression that kind of stuff like you're already living a rural meager lifestyle lifestyle that yield Um, was important like you that was if you didn't have enough you were saying how am i going to feed my family through the winter um, it's, uh, so yeah, milkweed has a, had a really bad reputation yeah. and you have a large population of the agriculture community, the agriculture as a whole. If you look at like the average age of farmers, basically the average age of a farmer goes up one year every year because there aren't many new farmers coming in. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it was like 58 a couple of years ago. Now it's probably 59 or 60. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it just, it keeps going up because yeah. you don't have younger people stepping into those roles, but not well. If you're that, this farmer in this article, 70 years old and he <laughs> remembers pulling milk, milkweed as a kid. And a lot of farmers in this area I know are in that eight, same age range and they don't like milkweed and their parent or their parents didn't like milkweed. And there's less farmland. I, I just heard <laughs> at the, uh, the state soil conservation district meeting. I don't remember the time frame, but there used to be – I can't remember how many years ago there was 2 million acres of farmland in New Jersey. Now it's 750,000. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's less than half of what it was. And oh, I can't yeah. remember. It was like 20 years or something like that. It wasn't – Yeah, so you have generation upon generation who did not like milkweed. Yeah. And only recently we found out the importance of it. So um, the common milkweed is the main plant species that monarch butterfly needs to survive. And the species is disappearing at a rapid rate. If milkweed ceases to exist, scientists say, uh, so too will the iconic monarch butterfly. The perilous state of milkweed matters to farmers like Ginnup because he says, we don't want to burden the environment when we don't need to. As it turns out, the decline of milkweed threatens more than monarchs. Such threats have a cascading effect that eventually affect humans as one-third of the nation's food production is dependent on pollinators like the monarch. The threats to monarchs are plenty. Logging in its overwintering habitat... Uh, lost nectar sources, exposure to insecticides, climate change, and loss of breeding habitat are all factors in its decline. Increasingly, evidence shows a major comp- contributor to the recent decline of monarchs um, is the loss of common milkweed, which is Asclepias syriaca, as a breeding habitat in the Midwest, specifically the Midwest. Like, we're in New Jersey. The main monarch migration is really going up yeah. right up the center of the country. Uh, we still have plenty of monarchs that come through here, but... I can only imagine how many more are going habitat, through that yeah. area. So loss of habitat there is or is really it's huge everywhere, but there specific a big big yeah. thing. Um, let's see where was I? Uh, researchers discovered that milkweed growing in corn and soybean fields supported more monarch eggs and larvae than those growing in other areas. To respond to the loss, scientists and conservationists are re- researching how to rebuild milkweed populations with calls to restore 1.3 billion to 1.6 billion. That's billion with a B. Uh, milkweed stems in the Midwest alone. Uh, in 2015, uh, BASF, which is a German chemical company, promoted a program that provided more than 35,000 milkweed stems to farmers in an effort to establish more milkweed on grasslands. Uh, farmers signed up for it. The very weed they fought for decades, they were now planting. 
Milkweed was planted in filter strips, the land next to drainage ditches, bordering crops, and even planted as landscaping in yards. The conditions for milkweed aren't hard to achieve. The plants thrive in poor soil and, uh, and full sun, uh, like dry conditions. Uh, scientists continue seeking other solutions uh, to help with this milkweed problem. One Michigan State University study recently showed targeting mo- targeted mowing of milkweed and grasslands during specific times of the growing season produces more milkweed stems that are attractive to egg-laying monarchs and harbor fewer predators, but mowing alone won't cut it for the monarch. Guinea believes farmers with strong, uh, with strong conservation ethics will be compelled to take action on their grassy spaces. Without conservation, agriculture ceases to function and ceases to exist. While it hasn't always been immediately obvi- obvious that biodiversity bolsters agriculture, it clearly does. Without milkweed, without other wild plants, the landscape loses not only the monarch, but other linkages to the system. Ultimately, Ginnett believes there needs to be more common ground to reach a balance between human beings and Mother Nature. And deep down this, farmers are the first environmentalists. It's a great turnaround. Yeah. And and that's why I champion people like Debbie Deglava uh, and yeah. Sustainable oh, yeah. Monarch. Because they're to, trying to, to turn agriculture and milkweed and actually make them the same. Yeah. It, it's really amazing. Saying that you can be profitable and make a business off of helping mm-hmm. the environment, which – is a message I think not yeah. many believe, but she's the right person to spread that message. Yep. And, and first thing I'll say, there, there's a lot more to this article that I pulled out. I just kind of hit on some of the the big points yes. that I want to make. I took a lot of the quotes out, and uh, there's a whole section of a, another farmer that are talking about that. I'm just like, oh, I, if I start quoting so many people, I'm going to really confuse myself. Um, <laughs> so I encourage you all to read this article as well. But there's a uh, actually – so you're – have all this milkweed pulling that's going on uh, pre-1940, and then you have World War II. And this was still milkweed pulling, but there was something really interesting that happened in World War II. Well, two really interesting things, one positive and one negative, but they were encouraging um, rural kids to actually pick milkweed pods as they pulled milkweed because the floss was used in World War II-era uh, life preservers. Yes. And it helped, it was like floss to help uh, troops float or something yeah. like that was the campaign. Yeah. And they actually have some of the imagery of old posters in this article yeah. too. So it's it's important how, or it's it's cool to see how the government actually put some messaging yeah. into this as well and how you were being patriotic um, by and helping the country by taking the milkweed product and repurposing it uh, or sending it in so it could be repurposed. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, what I was getting at a little bit earlier is you have farmers today are just statistically older than they've ever yes. been. Uh, most of them grew up thinking either directly they learned milkweed was bad or their parents were saying, hey, milkweed is cutting into our profits. Um, I've heard farmers locally say that. Oh, yeah. Like it's not yeah. like that's a thought. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah. this is like a very common thing. Farmers do not like milkweed. But they're starting to learn, and even we have um, one of our coworkers, husband is a farmer, and uh, even so, her father in law is like, "Oh yeah, I'd, I'd like to do some more stuff with native plants." I think now that it's a it's a tough thing because you have people. It's we've talked about before. You get so ingrained in your mind that this thing is bad, and then to find out it's important. It's it's not everyone's gonna well, not everyone's gonna hear that information. Yeah. Two, if you hear it, you're not always gonna believe that information. And then three, it's like, it's, 
I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but it's like finding out this thing that you thought was so bad all your life is actually good, or the thing that's so good is actually hurting you. In this case, it's helping you, but it's like a complete flip on what you've been accustomed to. It's not an easy transition for people. No, and it's, but generationally, it can be. The unfortunate thing is we don't have that next generation yeah. of farmers that's really coming up to that. The ones that are there do think this yeah. way, yeah, and say, "Oh yeah, milkweed's actually good. And we should be yeah. incorporating this into our farms in a way." Now, our coworker's father-in-law um, that's saying this is probably just below the average. Uh, um. Yeah, I'd say he's probably fifty-five. I was gonna say he's not that much older than me. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say fifty-six. I don't even. Maybe. He might not even be older than you. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not he quite might sure. Might even but, be my age. But yeah, even but, I'm. I'm involved with Farm Bureau Young Farmers, um, which is a national program. I'm involved locally, and we talk about it. And people are like, yeah, I don't. I don't want to be an environmental harm. I want to make sure I'm, uh, I have a profitable business. Yeah. But if I can avoid, if I can make the same amount of money, even slightly less. Yeah. But know that I'm not hurting the environment by doing it. Like I can make a choice that's yeah. going to have less impact on the environment. I'm going to make the yeah. choice that has less impact. And now as, you're saying I'm going to not make any money or I'm going to make yeah. a lot of money. Oh, I I need to feed my family. I need to. Yeah, I was going to say it's not like a lifestyle. It's even over time. It's not like farmers are killing it. Yeah, they're not killing it. Yeah. Their their biggest crop is their real estate. Yeah. you know that where they can afford to make money. Yeah. so they're not killing it. So the fact that they're willing to maybe take a little bit less. Yeah. To help the environment and not be a hindrance, and a lot of it, like you talk to farmers, Ray Archuleta said it. They, they, the soil is their livelihood. So they, when that last quote, farmers are the first environmentalists. Yeah. If they don't have the ground that that they're working, they don't have they don't have anything. they don't have a job. Yeah, like that. So keeping that as healthy as possible is really important to them, um, and pollinator habitat is really important to them. It's just you also have a lot of money telling you, oh, well, you can do it another way. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, but you have something like BASF has done stuff, Bayer's done stuff, but it's, is it publicity is it or is skewer? it enough? Yeah, is it skewer? just like, hey, yeah. this is, hey, we're going to do this a little bit so it makes us look good or, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be the, the judge on that one, but no. it's, no. um. But it's, it's, gr- it's better than not doing anything. It's it's a start. You know, yeah. I was really thinking about it, especially after our episode with, with Peter Grothman. Like, there's a lot. We we don't have the answers. Like, mm-hmm. time, and, time in and time again you hear this stuff, and it's great to see little steps being made. We don't have the answers. What I like is that people are asking the right yeah. questions. Oh, yeah. It's becoming a topic of conversation, and if that happens, then change can be made. And that's aware. Awareness is the best thing. I think. I think that's our biggest mm-hmm. trait is awareness. You know, is that we help it. We help have these conversations in a way mm-hmm. that people understand. It may. I, I was actually talking to Saul the other day, yeah. and I know we don't have any listener questions. And I was just calling to check in on him. He actually had a really bad car accident about a month ago, and totaled this car and walked away. Scratch free, which only I think he could do. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, no airbags deploying. Actually, not one. The Every airbag acts as a, yes, an airbag. Yeah, is... Every airbag failed, and he walked away without a scratch, which is kind of crazy. But he was saying one of the things that he appreciates about the podcast is that even though there's a lot of horrible things and it may not give you an answer, we always end with a ray of hope. Mm-hmm. 
And this article to me gives a ray of hope. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and that's that's all you can ask for sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's you, you need that you want to be able to take the next step on the journey. That Definitely. helps you. It makes you makes you feel better about that next step. But I think two great articles, uh, both kind of dealing with food in a way. You know, mm-hmm. you have one about uh, an awareness of native foods and recipes through the DNR. You have one about farmers becoming aware of the environment and and wanting to help with monarchs and milkweed. So two great articles. Uh, we'll have this posted same day. Mm-hmm. Like we've been pretty good. Oh, yeah. So make sure you get on and vote. Not for both articles. Yeah, there can be that only is one the loophole that will no longer be open. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I but, will make sure that. <laughs> but make sure you vote because. And of course, the choice is yours. Okay, before we do listener shoutouts, did you remember to try Magic Mind? I did, yeah, yeah, right. and it was pretty good. I, I actually really liked it. It's a little herbaceous tasting, but it's uh, a little citrusy. It, yeah, it's I, nice. I was hesitant, and like I took a little sip the first time. Like I know, like I was like, maybe this is going to taste bad. I'll do a shot, but I actually like. Really took my time drinking it. Like yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, but like you, yeah. uh, I can kind of feel groggy in the morning sometimes. So I just wanted to like I, maybe this could help. Uh, I'm not a coffee drinker. I've made that abundantly yeah, clear. Totally. That I don't like drinking coffee. I don't always react well to caffeine. I think, but um, mm-hmm. no, this I was I felt fine. I felt like basically right after taking it, I was kind of upbeat in a good mood. Getting things done. I felt really productive yeah, after drinking it. And it makes me feel good that it's natural ingredients too. I, I'm trying to put better things in my body. So when you could put turmeric, echinacea, matcha, mushrooms, honey, things like that, I just feel much better than all that caffeine. And another really cool thing I appreciated about Magic Mind was that they're doing a lot of things for the environment as well. Like they're trying to be a carbon neutral company. Uh, they're invested in some reforestation products. Even the places where they're getting the ingredients for their product – they're selecting vendors who are doing things the right way, kind of like what we like to do with yeah. with people we work with. And they spread the knowledge. They wrote the book on Beyond Coffee. That was before the product even came out explaining kind of what coffee does and, and some better alternatives for you. So I appreciate their entire mission. Yeah. No, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's something I think when I need that pick-me-up, when I'm like, hey, I need to have a productive day, I didn't get the best night's sleep, I think it's something I'm going to try and, uh, and just to – Get a little pick-me-up. I think our listeners should try it too. If you go to magicmind.co backslash native plants, uh, you can get 40% off a subscription, which is – it's a money-back guarantee. It's To me, it's better than going to the store. Just use the code nativeplants20. You can also use that code nativeplants20 to get 20% off a single purchase. Yeah. We'll put all of it in the show notes. Give it a try. I think you'll appreciate it. Tom and I both do. So let's get back into listener shout-outs. Listener, listener, shout out, shout out. So, Fran, I, I can't help but mention yes. before we go into our listener shout outs this yeah. week, is didn't we have a listener shout out like a couple weeks ago to say how happy they were that we didn't get political and then I, <laughs> I just made a whole bunch of political jokes earlier. It's just like, episode. oh, you take my I, mind I, off the politics. I got I close, to... <laughs> but I, I'm saying it in jest and, uh, oh, and, we, and very cynically. This <laughs> is the way to put it. This is so far... Yeah. Away from being political. Yeah. Um, so I know you have one. I have a few more than your you this week. Do you want me to go first? Uh, oh, I don't really care. Okay. Who wants right. to go first? I'll it's- go first. So um, I wanted to say thank you to Bill Stusnick for the vote to, to help get me over the hump last week. I appreciate that you voted for me. Um, and you mentioned this on the last podcast, but I, di- I didn't want to to gloss over it. 
we both wanted to thank Skip Burns mm-hmm. um, yeah. again for uh, referring Dr. Peter Grofman mm-hmm. to us. Uh, he was yeah. – that I was really my, one of my favorite episodes. My final thought, I was like, man, how did we not know who this person is until now? Yeah. Right in our backyard. Yeah. Um, and and that, it's, well, that it's, will change. I think, yeah, that's um, that has changed. something like it was, as we're planning some upcoming events over the next 2023, 2024, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm in charge of putting together a whole slate of, of speakers for something. I'm like, oh, well. Add him to the list of people has to yeah. come down and, and give a talk. So, so Skip, thank you so much for for that recommendation and for submitting questions for it. We we really appreciate that. Um, you do have an opportunity to submit questions mm-hmm. for this episode. You you have like a good five days. Yeah. So if you have questions, I'm going to give you the question and comment line because we'd like to play it for Doctor Groffman on the air. Two one five three four six six one eight nine. Um, if we're the planning, the episode is, is going to kind of continue where it left off. We want to talk about leaf cover, snow cover, how the climate's changed, and then bring it back around and say, what are the solutions? What is advice? How can we talk to people? How can, uh, we make a difference? So that's, if you have questions in those topics, please, we would be happy to do that. Um, and then, uh, my last thank you is to Amanda Smith who tweeted at us uh, yesterday because the Spotify wraps are out mm-hmm. and she, we were her top podcast. And she said she listened to us for 3,233 minutes. That is a long, long time. I was, I, I had to say, I, I don't even believe that my family listened to 3,233 minutes. I think I me. see, I had my Spotify wrapped and I think I only had um, like 8,500 minutes total. Wow, and I well, I that being said, I haven't listened to Spotify as much. I don't use I use Apple Podcasts to listen to podcasts when mm-hmm. I'm feeling self indulgent yes. and want to listen to my buttery voice uh, <laughs> at home. <laughs> but um, now I will, no, I actually I don't listen to us very much. I will but, say this for our listeners: fifty percent of our listens come from Apple. Only about eight percent of our listens come from Spotify. But the Spotify rap that we got for a podcast was yeah. very flattering. Oh yeah, and we can't thank you all enough for that. And then I think the last two categories are I, I think we're like three and a half percent Podbean and three and a half percent was it Overcast or something like yep. that? Yep. Not even Google. So yeah, I think Google's less than that. But, so and just to to follow up on that statistic, so three thousand two hundred thirty three minutes. Yes, is basically equivalent of, of a little over fifty three hours. Which uh, would that's approximately like be like forty three episodes. If yeah. an hour and fifteen minutes an episode, about forty three episodes. Wow, that's so, impressive. Yeah, so thank if you, you. Didn't listen to every single one. <laughs> what were you doing? It's you're you're nine episodes short. <laughs> so like, yeah, if, if, you know how they give like perfect perfect attendance in yes, school. That it's wasn't like, perfect well, attendance. No, no sticker for you, uh, Amanda Smith. <laughs> but, but we appreciate you listening. No, Hopefully we really you'll do. hear that. It's, I hope this isn't one of the episodes you skip listening yeah, to. <laughs> yeah, no, we we really appreciate. It. And if if anyone else has their Spotify wrapped and they want to share it with us, you can Please do it do. on Facebook. You can do it on on uh, on Twitter. Um, totally. I was going to make another political joke, but I'm not going <laughs> no, to. No, I'm not going to no, touch no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> But you have you have we we got a yeah. five star review where someone actually did. reached out to us, and I love I love the name because it reminds me of like the the AOL instant messenger screen yes. names, yes, the it AIM does. screen names. Uh, like I'm thinking of like what's the Avril Lavigne song was Skater Girl, right? Yes. And it was had the eight Skater in Boy, yeah, or Skater Skater Boy, yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, this is is Nature Girl with N eight 
R-G-R-L. Love it. Love it. Gotta love um, it. And this is put right before Thanksgiving and said that they were thankful for Tom and Fran, uh, yeah. Yeah. which I can only assume is either you're or my wife. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we tried to make it a competition. Yeah. We said at the Thanksgiving dinner, pull out your your relative's phone and vote for one of us. Like just in the yeah. review, say either Tom or Fran, and make it a competition. Yeah, she refused to make it a competition yeah. and voted for both of us. Well, that, so. and we really appreciate that as well. Yeah. And if you want to be my listener shout out, you can leave a five star review. Yes, write a little something there, and I'll I'll say something flattering about you. Um. During this section of the podcast. Yeah, I like so. it. I like it. So um, we don't have any uh, questions called in this week. Uh, we already kind of did a grow, read a book. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to do take it or leave it? Yeah. And I did you look at what I put? I, I did look at what you put. And I'm like, I don't, I don't so know where you're going with this. I thing. just learned, and I didn't know this was a thing, mm-hmm. um, that the president pardons the Thanksgiving day turkey every year yeah but it only started with george bush senior mm-hmm. um so it hasn't been that long standing of a tradition but yet i tried to look and the president i still think pretty much has a turkey dinner on this oh yeah. yeah yeah so what do you think and the turkey provided is provided to the white house from the president of the national turkey federation typically mm-hmm. from uh one of their their farms yeah. or something which like is that. different than the folks that we've had on from yes. the National Wild, Wild Turkey, Turkey Federation, yeah. not the same thing. Um, yes. Easily confused. Both yes. have turkey. Or three words yeah. are the exact same. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's an extra extra W in the acronym for but the Wild Turkey Federation. What do you think of, of pardoning the turkey for publicity but yet everyone having a Thanksgiving, yeah. Thanksgiving day? I know it's not really has to do with native plants, <laughs> but it has to do with a wild – a native a native animal. And yeah. Okay. And um, I was running short on take it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was – so I do have a take it or leave it for next time. All right, perfect. That I'm going to say now. And All let right. everyone think about it. They can stew, and you can stew, Fran. But okay. I think our next one has to be real or fake Christmas trees. And then Ooh, we can tie native right. Christmas trees into there as well. All right. Um, I'm, I'm writing that down that, right that now. Could, that can be a juicy subject. But going back to turkeys. Ooh. You know what? Wow. All right. That's a great one. That's a great um, one. And it will be perfect timing. Yeah. Um, going back to turkeys, I – so I didn't know that the turkey – it makes sense. The turkey was d- donated by the president of the National Turkey Foundation, which is a turkey producer's yes, organization. Yes. And before I always thought – I knew about this for a while, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of funny. It's kind of yeah. – the president gets up there and talks about stuffing and, like, makes all yeah. these – He's yes. he's a father, They're yep. not faux pas. Yep. It's genuine dad <laughs> jokes, um, using stuffing and sauce and yep. and gobble and like all kinds yep. of Thanksgiving type terms. Yes. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like the president can pardon people, and it's yep. not doing it for like political misdoings and all yes. this stuff. Yes. So it's yeah, it's it's humorous knowing that this is something like it. A legal thing that presidents can do, and you can do it for turkeys yep. because everyone's going to eat a turkey, and that means the turkey had to die. Yep. Is there a better um, message than pardoning the turkey? Instead of making yeah. it something lighthearted for a holiday, is there a better message that could be? I don't know. but the, So I guess where I was getting with it is now I know that it's it's provided by the National Turkey – is it Foundation or Federation, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, 
I'm like, is this just a, a big publicity, like publicity stunt? It's <laughs> like to, I, to it, it might just be. I don't know. So yeah, the conspiracy theorist in me is like, oh, big turkeys behind this. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, which, yeah, it's a. Uh, I I don't I this do, one. Do you really don't care? Flabbergasted, and I really don't know. Like I, it's a funny. Turkeys this year were Am named chocolate too... and chip, it's, <laughs> it's, and they got they waddled on up to the stage and any pardoned them, and then uh, they probably went back to the turkey farm. Who knows if they actually made it or not? I um, wonder if they actually get part, like if yeah. they are left to live. Yeah. Well, where else are they going to go? Yeah. Like other than back to the turkey farm, okay. and then they have a bunch of white turkeys in there. You know, the little side here, you know why? So wild turkeys are are basically black. Yeah. They're kind of yeah. black iridescent. They have different colors on them but primarily they're blackish brown gray yes they've selected um through breeding you can breed turkey like and they've gotten white turkeys now okay. do you know why the turkeys are white i have no chickens idea. too chicken yeah. white chickens are yeah. white so there's multiple kinds of feathers on birds yeah. and some of the things are called like pin feathers so they're really really small and then they're just but on a wild turkey or a duck or a yeah. chick like a regular not a white chicken they're black. Okay. So now you have a bird, and when it's all plucked, it has all these little black dots everywhere. Oh, really hard to get out. Yeah. What you end up doing is taking, like, a torture. You put it over a, a burner and okay. burn them off yeah. um, to kind of – you can't hold it too long. You just kind of, like, yeah. just to burn those little <laughs> things off so you don't yeah. see them anymore. But they still kind of show the, like, little black dots everywhere. Yeah. If you have a white feathered turkey, you don't see it as the much. white dot. So you don't uh. – it kind of blends in, and um, you don't wow. see all the little – the pin feathers. Wow. So, yeah. That's all that for that, just to make it more yeah. Yeah. more better visibly mm-hmm. aesthetics. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, that's I that's what I've been told is the main reason okay. behind why they're they yeah. bred them to be white. But yeah, I know yeah. I've been to I've been to a local turkey farm and it's I guess it's like it's it's not the most appealing thing, yeah, to I look can... at, and that's just like a small a small one where they have a barn with some turkeys, Re- really cool farm, yeah. And I'm like, ah, eh, I don't know if I necessarily wanted to see this as yeah. Fuck. I understand the whole process, yeah. but it's like you kind of you feel a little bad, yeah. and then you think about th- you have the big turkey producers where you have like warehouses full of birds like this, and it's like uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm, yeah, I'm but I'm then again I'm like the person who's all i was going crazy about the wild game cooking earlier um but part of the reason is i'd like to source my food myself which is a different that's a whole different yeah thing another thing i that drives me nuts when people people get into hunting and they're like oh and you always see the posts like this time of year because it's deer season now and people like oh yeah i like i got this deer i'm gonna eat it look at all this organic meat i'm like it ain't organic. It's been eating all this GMO corn. What do, you, what do you think it's been eating? It's not organic. It's um, but yeah, there's, it's just amazing. It's it's humorous to me how we can like just because it's wild, people assume it's organic. It's eating people's people's uh, landscapes. Like <laughs> it's all, it like, it's all this like hybridized stuff, and yeah, it's like so you know. What do you mean it's organic? It's like it's not eating. It's literally it's it's gonna starve in for a couple months now. Yeah. Um, 
it's uh it but it is really nutritious and healthy it's very lean protein yeah. but yeah i always i always get a chuckle when people post the organic stuff because i'm like uh not really it's yeah but it's people yeah. convolute those terms together yes. and and it's just it's important to be educated on kind of what those terms mean and really some of the marketing tools that go into some of this stuff yeah um you look in like the chicken industry and it's like what what does free range actually mean what is like cage free actually mean yeah cage free could mean they're just let loose in a warehouse there's no cages yeah. they're just walking around it doesn't mean they're yeah. They're actually outside, and pe- people get the idea, oh, they're walking around on this farm and living this nice farm life yeah. until the farmer comes along and, yeah, <laughs> there goes Mr. Clucky, or Mrs. Clucky, probably, and uh, <laughs> I think I'm kind of on one today. It's the Magic Mind. I've been drinking the Magic Mind, and it's really it's really perked me up. You know what? <laughs> I'm, and yeah, that's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I think... Uh, because we're doing this at the very end of the day, and you can see how much silly energy yeah. we have right I'm now. That's going, that tired yeah. energy. I'm going on vacation energy. in a couple hours. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, so are we both taking it? We're both. Take it means that I, I like it? Yes. Or are you oh leaving it? Oh, my gosh. I'm probably going to take it. I, I think it's I think it's humorous. I, I And, like, I'm, I'm not behind. I'm not behind. Like the factory farming, for lack of a better term, yeah. of of yeah. turkeys and chickens and all that. So that kind of puts like a a damper on on it for me. Yeah, knowing that it's tied into that, but it makes sense. But I'm also I support agriculture, and that is a form of agriculture. I yeah. think I support agriculture. My my ambition behind a lot of it is, hey, let's let's blend these these worlds yes. where we're being more environmentally conscious. Like we're not going to get rid of agriculture and have society no. anymore. No, but it's, if we can make work, positive changes, let's, yeah. let's make sure we're more on the same page and not against each other, which has kind of been what's happening lately. Exactly. All right. We're, we're both taking it then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. I think that wraps us up. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to uh, finish us for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plains Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. We're saying thank you to R.J. Comer for our Buzz theme music, which is entitled Nightly Suicide. Make sure you stream or buy R.J.'s music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume your music. Better yet, check out one of his Americana playlists on Pandora. You won't uh, regret it. Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery. Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ. Instagram at Pinelands Nursery. And also YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, give us a call on the question and comment line at 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. If you have a question for uh, Dr. Grothman next week, leave that. Or if you have a question or comment for us, leave that, and we're going to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. Answer it to the best of our ability. And, uh, man, the spam the spam threats on uh, the Native Plant Healthy Planet Facebook uh, group are real. You knew how many – uh, magic gardening tool or pruner ads I have to <laughs> I have to delete every day that just oh, means God. that group is 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 uh is it's lively yeah. yeah people yeah. are trying people are trying to get in yes exactly yeah so um, you can buy native plants healthy planet merch at our website www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com. there's a little bar at the top it says 
t-shirts here by now, something like that. There's a lot of great new. Yeah. I've actually made a few purchases myself. Yeah. So I have finally followed up on my promise. The dragons are here. <laughs> they are everything you hope they would be. <laughs> so, no, honestly, it's been, it's. There's some great you new get products. concepts in your head on yeah. what to do. There's one friend I were literally just talking about that I think. I will um, buy. As soon as you post that, I will not buy to that. to get political. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. But one of the things my brother and I were just talking about is um, it you have these demographics in our country right now where you have people like it's in a way it seems like patriotism is at an all time low. I tend to be a patriotic person and the people who are are kind of down on the direction of our country also really care about the environment yeah. over overall demographically yeah. speaking yeah. overall they kind of lean that way the people who um kind of seem like disengaged when it comes to like anti-environment in a way yeah. tend to be a little bit more patriotic and he's like i would love to have a shirt that says plant american plants with red white and blue with the flag on <laughs> with the flag on it maybe put like an oak leaf on there or something like that and he he said that and i'm like I can make that in about five minutes, yeah. and I think that's a great idea. So we have a shirt that says Plant American Plants. Fran and I are both, like, pumped yeah. up to wear this at our, our nursery trade shows yeah. and walk around all the Japanese barberry and and, uh, and all the other it, non-native plants, stuff it, from other places in, in the world. It and made me think of John McGee. With it did, his yeah. story about yeah. I want to plant plants that come from America, like yeah. not plants that come from other parts of the world. Yeah. So and I would love I'm trying to brainstorm because some so some of the shirts on there uh, just give the whole disclosure so we all the sales get lumped into one pool so yeah. all the profits get lumped into one pool but then we have some shirts like we have a, a shirt that lists some of the top trees for Dr. Yeah. Townley at the end of the year that goes whatever down. money we made off of those shirts goes to his research there's a Xerxes we have some line, that yeah. go like buzzing about native plants goes to Xerxes. We have some that go to wildlife organizations, like wild the wild about native plants shirt. Every dollar that's made off of that or profited off of them goes to wildlife specific yeah. organizations. Um, there's I think there's one for New Jersey Audubon on there. Um, I have one that's been sitting in my drafts, and I need to find the original artwork because it wasn't working when I was trying to submit okay. it the other day. That and I want to do this for every state or well. I guess shouldn't do it for every state because that's just way too many T-shirts. But the top states, we got to figure out. People write in if you want one of these for your state. You know, like the I Love New York shirts? Yeah. That they have like the, well, it has I Love New York on it. And with a heart, instead of a heart, it says it has a picture of your state. And then it says I state native plant or I love native plants, but it's your state. So it's like a picture of New Uh Jersey there. And I was going to, that one is set up. To go to the Native Plant Society to support the Native Plant Society. Oh, that's an but awesome idea. If you live in Pennsylvania or New York or California and you would like a shirt like that with your state on it, I'll I'll do that for people. Okay. Um, I just awesome. to do all fifty states and then you start talking territories and and all that. Um, I don't know if we'll sell like an I love or I Hawaii Native yeah. Plant shirt or anything like that. But I'm, the New Jersey one's going to be out soon once I find the artwork. So yeah, two, there's some cool stuff up so there. Two things. It, because I just realized – because I hadn't been on it in a while, the website. When you go to the website, it takes you to the featured. That's not everything. It's just featured. So make sure you click on the tabs at the top. Mm-hmm. That's our site 
that's our yeah, product's yeah. website, so mm-hmm. it's not going to take you away. It's going to bring you to other products because yep. yep. there's blankets, there's water bottles, mm-hmm. there's all kinds. There's aprons, notepads, aprons. Nope. Yeah, there's all kinds of things. So Hoodies, don't, don't just stuff. look at that first page and think that's it. Yep. Um, second thing is you're extending the discount code, correct or no? We extended the discount code. Okay. And it expired today. Okay. Never mind. Unless you want to keep, we can keep it going. Keep it going. Week. Keep it going. Right, another we'll keep week. it going another week. All right. You know, I'm just thinking to myself. I, I, I said I was extending it. I don't know if I actually did All extend right. it. So I'm going to do that right do now. Do that right now before it gets too late. So, um, but all, as Tom said, all those profits go to these great organizations. Our last recipient recipient was Bowman's Hill Wildflower Preserve. We haven't forgotten about you. We're going to come out and visit and bring that to you directly. Um, so make sure that. Uh, you're ready for us. We may even bring some equipment and try to record record with you while we're there. So um, check us yeah. out. Also, I was going to say, what else did I have to say here, Fran? I got to well, say about yeah, where to listen to you us. You can listen to us also at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Um, but you're probably going to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, really wherever you consume your podcasts. Uh, if you have a Spotify wrapped, send it our way. We want to see it. Um, and if you leave that five-star review... You do a little write-up, you'll get a listener shout-out from me, yours truly, Tom Knezik. And, uh, yeah, that's that's going to wrap it up for I, me. I don't have a secret, do you? You had a secret last week, but did you share or last yeah, buzz? Yeah, no, we you both did. sharing it? All right, here's a uh. s- small, silly secret. Who yeah. was your top listen-to artist on your Spotify wrap-up? Uh, so, yeah, this is actually a really good one. It was it was Tyler Childers. Okay. Um, what's interesting is... So my son is starting to develop his own taste in music. Yeah. Uh, his his favorite song it appears at the moment right now is is uh, Jingle Bells. Does not like the Frank Sinatra version because they don't sing Jingle Bells right away. Yes, they sing like the Jingle J. They spell Jingle yeah. Bells first, and he's like, "This is not Jingle Bells." And it's like, "No, it's it's coming." Jingle Bells is more towards the middle, and um, and we were actually uh, I had him by myself the other night and. Had to go pick up some stuff from the grocery store. There's McDonald's across the street, and we had an app, and it got yeah. like free Big Mac, whatever. Yeah. So I took him there. After I just say like all this stuff about how I'm anti pack <laughs> it was an easy, it was an easy night for me. A single dad on That's, night. I, I've, I got to make understand. it easy on myself. I understand. Um, but uh, yeah, so we went there, and Jingle Bells came over their speakers, and he's singing along at the top of his lungs in the McDonald's, <laughs> and uh, and then. The next song comes on, and it was one it was another Christmas song. Yeah. I don't remember, and um, and he was upset that it wasn't Jingle Bells, so he sang along to Jingle Bells anyway. <laughs> and, and then the next song comes on, and he's like, "This is not Jingle Bells." <laughs> but he also loves um, two year old loves Disney Plus has like this is uh, not this is Halloween. It's um that's the song, uh, the oh, Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. Christmas yeah. Love that. For, I'm like, I'm scared of this movie, and wow. you like it. What the heck's going on? So he loved that the music from that. He so those were in the top he loves of your um, he loves uh, world's smallest violin by AJR, Rip. which was a TikTok song. Uh, um, that was he would literally say, "Play my song. favorite song," and he, <laughs> he knows how to talk to Alexa now in our house. Okay, so he's and he also thinks that on the i. This is a really long secret. He also thinks that iPhones also have an Alexa and doesn't realize that they're Siri. Oh. so he knows to hold down the. Yeah, like and to turn the the Siri on, but then he's asking Alexa to play <laughs> songs, <laughs> which 
Siri doesn't quite understand what he's trying to do, so tries to text people on my phone that are named Alex. <laughs> 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 so, so if you are in my phone book and have the name Alex, sorry, including yeah. like uh, people I played lacrosse with 15 years ago, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, well, that's my son well, saying things. I don't have Spotify, but I use Apple. And the interesting thing is I use my Apple Music for the office here. So mm-hmm. it's hard to say that it's my top artist. It's more of what's the collaborative. But I think most listened to artists were the Foo Fighters for the second year in a row. And I think the top listened to album this year was the new Imagine Dragons album, which kind of shocked me. I wouldn't have guessed either of those as that because I'm not calculating in the office request. I'm doing what I'm listening to mm-hmm. outside of work. But not that I enjoy both of those, not that I'm not listening to them outside of it but yeah. i guess that's a decent decent quick secret yeah, yeah. So. my and my personal most listened to song was uh was uh tapo chico and lime by i think robert ellis the texas piano man uh. <laughs> i don't know i don't know i think it was just on a lot of playlists i listened to but i listened to it 33 times so my most listened to i do song, really like the song my most listened to song which you will appreciate was August is falling. <laughs> but if you don't know the band, you got to check them out. Yep, yep. So, but uh, Tyler Childress uh, was in my top five radio stations. Oh, good for you. So. You finally got some taste in music. For there you go. There you so, go. All right. Well, that's our secrets today. We really hope you enjoyed listening to us babble on and on and get a little punchy at times, but and uh, and not too much political, but yes. a little bit political. Uh, with that, I'm Tom Knezik. And I am Fran Chismar. Thank you again, everyone. Thank you again, everyone. Uh, Coming up next week, we have Dr. Peter Groffman returning. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. We'll see you again next time. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.